Hey everyone, welcome to the Naz Church Weekly Message Podcast. Here, you will listen to the preaching pastors from the Naz in Grove City, Ohio. We pray that you are inspired by their teachings. Good to have you here this morning. Welcome back. Uh, We're in a series called Like Jesus, and uh, the whole purpose, the whole focus of this series is for us to look at the life of Jesus and then figure out what that means for us. If Jesus was God and lived among us, and he claims that his Holy Spirit lives in us, then how should we then live? How can we live? What does that mean for us? And so, um, as we're walking through this, I'm gonna ask you to open your Bibles if you brought it with you, or take out your phone and get to your Bible app. We're gonna be in the book of Matthew. If you've got a full Bible, it's about three-fourths of the way back, you'll find the book of Matthew. If you have a New Testament, it'll be the first book that you come to We'll be in chapter 15, but I will tell you, I want to give you a warning. Um, typically, as we get ready for sermons, the pastors prepare over a few weeks. We come on Thursday and we do a run-through, just kind of to say what we were trying to say. And sometimes people go, I don't think you meant to say that. Let's shift that up. Um, as I put stuff together this week, I just kept getting more and more and more and more scriptures. By the time I got to Thursday, um, I wasn't at all ready. Um, Friday, I changed the whole message again. Uh, Saturday, same thing happened again. By Saturday afternoon, I finally kind of got somewhere. Um, Usually when I preach, I've got about three pages of notes um, that I go through. Today, I've got six. So if you think I'm usually long, it's gonna be horrible today, okay? Just so you're right. Uh, I'm teasing. For those of you that are new, I'm joking. Um, I do have lots of notes, but we're gonna kind of go through the Cliff Stotes version fairly quickly. If you want, you can go to the NAS app or go out there and you'll find other scriptures that are out there and there's tons more that we could look at that look at the life of Jesus. If he were to hear, if he were to live right now and he were to be among us, you know, who would he hang out with? We, let's go back and look at when he lived, when he lived here among us. If he was God, why did he choose to hang out with the people that he chose to hang out with? Uh, Some of you heard, a few weeks ago, I mentioned that I will talk to my kids at times about the people that they hang out with. Um, You know, there's studies that have shown that if you hang around certain kind of people, you become those kind of people. So if you hang around with four millionaires, you'll probably be the fifth. If you hang around with four drug dealers, you'll probably be the fifth. You know, there's that, that sort of thing. Who you hang out with kind of shapes who you are. And this week, uh, I was sent uh, this thing on Instagram or I happened to see it as I was scrolling through, it said, dear teenagers, um, still, since I still act like a teenager, it applies to me, even though I'm too old for that, and many of you as well. So I'm gonna say just dear people, dear people of the NAS. A Harvard study found 99% of your success depends on one thing, who you associate with. You may not realize it, but you're like a chameleon. You can and will absorb the attitudes, opinions, and behaviors of those you choose to spend the most time with. If you spend time with winners and positive thinkers, you'll start to become like them. Spend time with negative underachievers and you'll become like them. Choose your friends wisely. I shared that with Melissa this week and she read to me a study uh, that talked about the people that you hang around with at work and how it actually affects your productivity what negative people do to your productivity, what positive people do to your productivity. So as I look and begin thinking about Jesus, the question that came to my mind was, who did Jesus spend time with? And I will tell you, 
um, it's not who you think. Whoever just popped in your head of who Jesus spent time with, it's them and a whole lot more people. So I started asking why did Jesus hang out with who he hung out with and is he consistent? I wanted to gain some sort of principle uh, where you could say, here's who you need to think about hanging out with, here's how God will work through that, here's how he will help you. And uh, there's a couple scriptures that I came across where I found Jesus is not always consistent in how he works through these things. For instance, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 30, he's with the Pharisees. They're opposing him, they're coming at him about some things, and he just lays into them and says, if anyone who isn't with me and who opposes me, sorry, anyone who isn't with me opposes me, and anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. So if you're not with me, you're against me, so you better get on board. It's kind of like, so you guys are out. That's what it sounds like. Just a few chapters earlier, though, uh, or sorry, uh, in Mark chapter 9, sorry, not Matthew, in Mark chapter 9, what we find is it actually took place a little bit after this saying that Jesus said in Matthew 12. Uh, John comes up to Jesus and says, "Uh, teacher, we saw someone driving demons out in your name. We told him, stop, because he's not one of us. Jesus said, don't stop him. For no one who does a miracle in my name can in the next moments say anything bad about me. For whoever is not against us is for us. You can see John going, but you said, but if they're not with us, they're against us. So he's not with us, but he's using your name. What are you saying? This isn't always making sense. Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who gives you a cup of water in my name because you belong to the Messiah will certainly not lose their reward. So what do we do with people who aren't really with us? How do we figure out if they're for us or against us? As I read these, there's times I can figure out how to apply that. Sometimes it's a little bit tougher, especially during political season, right? It comes real fun. Are you with me? Are you for me? Um, It's always becomes fun as people are trying to figure out what you think about certain things. Um, I have people ask me all the time all kinds of questions, and they get very frustrated at times when I won't answer or I will give sort of a vague answer. Uh, because the real question they're wanting to know is, can I like you? If you don't like what I like, can I like you? Can we hang out? Are we gonna be okay? That's the real question. I'm just going, you can like me, let's hang out. I'm gonna put up with you even though you don't believe what I believe, right? You have, you have every right to be wrong. We'll be fine, okay? I'm just kidding, that's not how I think. But there's a story of, so who did Jesus choose to be with? In Matthew chapter 15, we have a very interesting story. I don't like this story. I'll tell you up front, I have a really hard time. Even when I go through the Greek, it's difficult to figure out what's happening in this. It says, Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman, some of your versions will say a Canaanite woman, basically what they're saying, it's not a Jew, okay? You're not one of us. Person who wasn't a Jew, this woman who lived there, came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. He ignored her. That's rude. That's what I'm saying. I wish I could look in here and find out, ooh, that's not quite what it said. But it's exactly what it said. He ignored her. It gets worse. It gets worse. Not only did he ignore her, but it says um, the disciples urged him, send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. 
you know, this is, this is annoying. She's following us around. Other people don't want to come because she's just hammering and going and going. We're sick of hearing it. Evidently, it had been going on for a while. Get her out of here. So Jesus turns to the woman, says to her, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Basically, racially, religiously, you're not my target audience, right? Marketing-wise, we're speaking today's vernacular. You're not my focus group. You're not my people. I've been sent to do something. That's what I'm saying. I wish I could tell you that's not what he said, but that's what he said. So she comes and keeps worshiping him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. This is, this is how not to treat people and influence people, right? This is not what to do. This doesn't sound like Jesus I'd want to hang out with. But the woman says back, that's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Jesus looks at her and says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Now he starts out saying, you're not my target. This is not what God has sent me to do. Yet, through her faith, through her pleading, through her coming to him, he answers her prayer. Now, some of you are going, Pastor Dale, this is a very weird, weird story to read today. And I want to apologize because it's in the Bible. Um, I'm not going to blame the Bible. God put it here for a reason. Uh, he wants us to understand that as he lived here on the earth, he did things, a lot of things that we wouldn't do. He, think, he did things in ways that we probably wouldn't do them. Uh, we go through and find that Jesus interacts with groups at different places and different times that we probably wouldn't choose to interact with. He chose to eat with people we probably would not choose to eat with. In fact, in, in a Matthew chap or Mark chapter two, sorry, one of his very first things he begins to do is he begins his public ministries. He goes and begins to pull disciples to follow him. And in one of the stories, we find he goes and finds this guy by the name of Matthew, Levi. Um, so if his name was Levi, he was meant to be a priest. Yet he is a tax collector. So he would have been one of the most hated people among the Jews because he's working for the Romans. He's taking their money, giving it to the Romans. Yet Jesus calls Matthew, says, follow me. We find out later in the story, Jesus actually goes to Matthew's house where he's hanging out, the scripture tells us, with publicans and sinners, people of ill repute. The, the Pharisees come along and they get very ticked off. And they say to the, to the disciples, why is your master eating with those people? One of my favorite renditions of this story is in a film, like back in the 1980s. I remember as a little kid watching this video called Jesus of Nazareth. And at this particular story, it shows Jesus in Matthew's house. And it's got all these crazy people, weird stuff happening. And Peter, James, John, Philip, Nathaniel, these people that had started following Jesus that were very good Jews, they were trying to be good people, they were trying to follow the right ways, they won't even go in the building. They're standing outside looking in because if they go into this place where this stuff is going on, they'll be unclean. They won't, they won't be fit to be with other Jews. And so they're looking inside mad that Jesus is with that guy. Yeah, he called us and we were fishermen and other stuff, but we're at least good. This Matthew guy's bad. And in that particular setting, the person that made the movie um, they have Jesus tell the story of the prodigal son in that setting. 
where he tells all these sinners about the prodigal son and how he's restored and how the father loves him and accepts him back. And then he begins to talk about the older brother. For those of you that don't know the story, in a, in a nutshell, there's a younger brother, wants his inheritance, gets it from his dad, goes off, wastes it. It's basically like taking all the money, going to Vegas, spends all the money on prostitutes and gambling and stuff, and he has nothing. And he ends up working where he's like eating the food that's left over from people's plates out in the trash and realizes how bad it is. And he goes back to his father and his father loves and accepts him and his older brother gets ticked off. And while Jesus tells that story, when he talks about the older brother, he looks over at the door at Peter and begins sharing about the older brother and says, you've always had what I have, but your brother has returned. It touches our hearts to go, ooh. You like the older brother and the younger brother, the one who stayed with you and the one that goes away. You spend time with all of those people. I understand that, Jesus, it sounds good and it's fine, they're really cool stories. But what's that mean for me? How I'm supposed to live my life? Uh, it says when Jesus looks back at the Pharisees who were getting all over him and saying, why are you hanging out? In the New Living Translation, it says, why does your master hang out with this kind of scum? Jesus knew about it, knew what they were saying. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's who I've come to. The lost sheep of Israel, those who know that they're sinners, that's who I've come to. Um, I kept reading through different stories, popping around, you can read all these in the notes if you go out and, and look them up. Um, when he first starts his ministry, people thought he was all kinds of different things. Philip goes and says, hey, uh, come see this guy, could he be the Messiah? Um, he's from Nazareth, and Nathaniel goes, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. <laughs> no, he can't be. There's a woman at the well who's a Samaritan. Jesus sits by the well with her and has conversation. The disciples come and say, what were you doing with that woman? Uh, but the woman had taken off and gone into town and said, come and see this man who told me everything I've done. Could this be the Messiah? Jesus goes and hangs out at night with a guy named Nicodemus, a Pharisee a guy from the same group that's tormenting Jesus, but he sits down and meets with him and begins to share with him, you know what, Nicodemus, I didn't just come for the lost sheep of Israel. I didn't just come to my people, the Jews. And it's while he's sitting with this Pharisee that he says to him, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I've come for everyone, but right now I'm a little more focused on what I'm needing to do because you all have the scriptures, you have the stuff, but it's for you to teach others. So who do we hang out with? Who did Jesus hang out with? He's weird because um, he hangs out with religious people. He hangs out with drunks and sinners. Um, he brings up one time uh, again to the Pharisees and he says to them, you all look at John the Baptist and he didn't, he fasted all the time, he ate locusts and wild honey, he didn't drink alcohol, and you say he had a demon, he was a crazy man. But the son of man, I come eating and drinking, and then you say, I'm a wine-bibber and a glutton, and I eat too much, and I drink too much, make up your minds. What, what is he? Who is he? Who's he going to be? I wish I could tell you as I uh, 
read this story that I came up with. Here's my conclusion about Jesus and who he is. Um, what I wanted him to be when I got done with this story is he met with all these people and all this stuff, but he was just kind of in the middle of the road. You know, he's an easygoing guy. Um, there's a study, Albert Schweitzer, a guy in the late 1800s, began to talk about the historical Jesus and can we really find who the real Jesus was? Because if we can figure out who he was, then we can figure out why he did what he did. And people begin picking apart the gospels and they find the real Jesus. You'll find all these stories and things as we head more towards Easter, also as we head toward Christmas, people will start saying, who was Jesus? What did he mean to be? And usually they boil him all down to one thing. And some will make that one thing, he was a prophet. He came to preach this good news, to make people change. He preached hell, fire, brimstone, get them to turn, get them to repent. There's others who will say, no, no, no. Jesus was here to bring about social change, to help us learn how to love one another. He preached a message and a gospel of love. And all the other stuff you read in the gospels, that stuff was added. There are others who will say, you know what? Um, when Jesus came, he was actually here to overthrow the political scheme that was going on. Uh, he was preaching about a new kingdom. That's why he was killed. Um, if you look at his followers, some of his followers were zealots. They wanted to overthrow the government. Many people thought he was there for that. He just failed at his purpose. Some will say, no, no, no. He was a great spiritual guru, like, like Buddha. He was a great teacher, like Confucius. Um, he just brought all these things together, and really, he really didn't care as much about this world. He just cared what was going on inside you. He's a spiritual leader. That's all he is. Others will say, no, 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 no. He's a political activist. Um, he was a communist. He was a socialist. He was, and people formed Jesus and shaped Jesus in their image. And the more I studied, the more I did all this, the more I came down to what my sermon was going to be, I got to the end, and I had this really cool picture of Jesus that looked a lot like me. And I realized I had done the same thing that I was trying to prevent from happening. I had this Jesus that, you know, kind of walks in the middle of the road. And I, I do believe Jesus has a middle way as he's speaking with these people. But I wanted Jesus to be nice. And he's a good guy. Uh, he sat with, with Nicodemus, who was a Pharisee. He looks at the guys on the cross that ask for repentance and he forgives them. He goes to a woman who is caught in adultery when the Pharisees tried to trap him. And once they leave, he looks at her and said, where have your accusers gone? She says, they've all left. And he says, then neither do I condemn you, but now go and sin no more. Yet he's the same guy who goes into the temple and he throws tables over and he yells and he screams at people. And I don't like that, Jesus. I wanna go calm down a bit, Jesus, don't do that. You're getting a little crazy. We need to see a therapist. You know, deal with some anger issues you got there, right? Let's be mellow. Let's be calm most of the time. You don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low, right? But he doesn't do that. He doesn't fit into our box. You know why? Because if Jesus was God, then he was I am. That, that term that we find when, when Moses asked God, who should I tell the people you are? Who should I say sent me? And God says to him, Yahweh. Um, the word means I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Meaning you're not gonna put me in a box. So is God in the Old Testament our healer? Yes, he is. Is God a strong tower? He is. Is God a wonderful counselor? 
He is. Is he a prince of peace? He is. Is he a strong right hand of judgment? He is. Is he a consuming fire? He is. And when I say all these things, I'm gonna, it sounds for some of us like God sounds schizophrenic. Um, he's all of these things. How can he be all of these things? It's because each one of those things taken in their context at the right time have purpose and have meaning. And so God knows what we need when we need it. So I kept wrestling with this. I was wrestling harder and harder trying to figure out, okay, what, what, is it, what is this boiled down to? What is it that we're needing to figure out? What is it that we need to be? Um, who is it that we need to be? And uh, what I came to was this. It doesn't have to do with who the people said Jesus was because they said lots of things. You know, the disciples one time, he asked them, who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're a prophet. Some say you're Moses. Some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Or John the Baptist, or one of the prophets. He goes, but who do you, who do you say that I am? Well, you're the Messiah. And then Jesus has to re-explain what Messiah means. If you looked at his group that he gathered, it's hard to figure out what he was trying to do. It was the worst mongrel group of people you would have seen in your life. They were all Jews. They were all from Galilee. Wasn't a really educated area. Um, I'm always, I used to not be careful that I would pick areas of our country to make fun of, but I'm not going to today. So in your own mind, pick the area of uneducated people in our United States of America. That's where Jesus went to grab his followers. And he grabs impetuous fishermen, guy named Peter who always runs his mouth before he should. He grabs his cousins, James and John. Um, he grabs some guys that were zealots. They were basically trying to overthrow the government. And he brings tax collectors who actually work for the government. Um, he brings all these people together and makes them his group. That's the dumbest thing ever to do. Um, it's like trying to have a party and you invite all those people at once and just like, let's throw a hand grenade in the middle of the room and see what happens. It'd be like the, it'd be like the Democrats and the Republicans saying, hey, this next year, why don't we hold our conventions together? That would be fun. That's what Jesus did. And he begins to talk about a new kind of kingdom. He begins to talk about a new kind of people. So as I, as I talked with a few other people this week and as I began to to probe, and I began to think about the questions that people ask me when they're, in their, when they're in my office or when we're out having a Coke somewhere or they're drinking coffee and I'm staring at them. Um, I don't drink coffee. Um, the question that comes up is not necessarily who, who was Jesus and who would he have hung out with back in the day. The question becomes would Jesus hang out with me if he were to come back today? Jesus were to come today, pastor, would he, would he hang with me? Would he think that my story was significant enough that he could speak to me? Would he see my mess and be able to turn my mess into a message? Would I be significant enough? The second question, that I think people would ask. The answer to that question, would he hang with you? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. Every one of you. How do I know that? Because when I read through all of the gospels and don't just cherry pick stories here or there, 
He hangs out with people that are like all of us. Some of them good, some of them bad, people who need help. All of them need help. So the next question is, who would Jesus want me to be with? If I'm a believer and I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm supposed to be like him, who should I be hanging out with? Some of us don't even get to that question because we're still just worried about us. As long as I'm good to go, I'm okay. But Jesus says, if I live in you, then you begin to do what I do. So who should you hang with? I don't know the answer to that question all the time. I'll, I'll talk about this suitcase here. It's a fun suitcase. Um, kind of exemplifies baggage in our lives. It's the biggest baggage at our house. It's Melissa's, it's not mine, I don't have baggage. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. I said that in first service, Melissa goes, your, your suitcase is bigger than mine. It is, my baggage is bigger. I let our son borrow it. There's a whole other message there about me passing my baggage onto the kids. <laughs> Some of you understand that more than you should, don't you? Yeah. There's a story that Corey Ten Boom tells. Those of you who don't know Corey Ten Boom, she's a woman um, who lived over in Denmark, Amsterdam area, that um, saved many Jews during the Holocaust. Um, saved hundreds and hundreds of lives. Ended up in a concentration camp. Um, she tells a story of arguing with her father one time. She was wanting to discuss uh, a social, political thing that was very, very deep, very, very weighty. And if the father had had that conversation with her, it would have put a huge load on her shoulders that as a young kid, she wasn't ready to carry yet. But she was like, no dad, I wanna talk about it, I wanna talk about it. He said, I'm not saying you can never talk about it, you're just not ready yet. She goes, yes I am, yes I am. So they got ready to go on a train and he purposefully packed his huge suitcase very heavy. And then she had her suitcase packed. They got ready to go. He said, you know what we're gonna do today? You wanna be like your dad, you wanna do things? You carry my suitcase today and I'm gonna carry your suitcase. She walked over to the suitcase. This is back before they had wheels on them, you know? So she could bear, she had to reach up to grab it. She couldn't lift it. She couldn't get it. She couldn't move it. She goes, dad, I can't. Dad, I can't. Can I have my suitcase and you have this suitcase? And her dad said to her, you can. One day, you will be able to. But you can't right now. But as you grow and you're mature, you know what? You'll be able to carry the weight of that suitcase. But in much the same way, you can't carry that suitcase right now. That thing that you've been asking me about, you're not ready to carry right now. It doesn't mean you never will be, but I'll pass that on to you one day and we can have those conversations. So who should you hang out with right now? I looked for this great principle, there, is, there isn't one, except to say this. Some of you are in places in your walk with Christ where you may be a new believer, and as you've come to Christ, it is the perfect time for you to be able to share with your friends and hang out with people that used to be bad examples for you. There are others of you that because of the sins you carry, because of the addictions that you have, it is probably the dumbest thing for you to go hang out with some of your old friends. It doesn't mean that it will be that way for forever. And you may have to share with them that right now, while I'm going through some of these things, I need some separation so that I can get strong, so that I can go through the things I need to, 
so that I can be prepared. There is no one size fits all. Some of you go to work and there's people that God may tell you to go speak with. There are other people for you at work that God may say no. Don't go speak to them right now because they're not ready or you're not ready. There may be moments where God says go and just be with that person. Just hang out with them. Spend time with them. You don't have to tell them anything. Just be there. There may be others that he says, hey, this friend of yours, you need to go and confront them. There's no one-size-fits-all the same way Jesus didn't handle every situation exactly the same. It took time for him to pray and know what it was that he was going to be about. So I'm going to go back to that story at the very beginning on the Harvard survey. Um, Because as I read that Harvard survey, there was something that bugged me. At the very end of it, it says, you can choose your friends, but you can't change your friends. You can't change them. You can't make them different. And as I read that, I thought, that's not true. I I can't change them. That's correct. But if I'm going to be influenced by them, why can't I be an influence on them? And how do I know when's the right time and when's the wrong time? And as I prayed about that, as I thought about that, something came to me. And it was the very beginning of that quote. The one thing that will determine your success in life is the people that you spend time with. So my question for you today, as we end today, is if that one person or those people that you hang around with are gonna shift and change your life, how much time are you spending with Jesus? Because if we're gonna be like Jesus, And our lives are going to be changed and are going to be different. Am I spending the time in prayer? Am I spending the time in God's word? Am I spending the time at church? Jesus was God, but he still went to synagogue every Saturday. Jesus was God, but he still read scriptures. Jesus was God, but he still would slip away to spend time alone with his father. Jesus was God, but he fasted. Why did he do all of these things? It was to be in a place where the very life of God shaped who he was. And if Jesus came and lived among us as a man, and he was God, but he still did those things, same thing's got to be true for us. You want your life to change? You want your life to be different? Depends a lot on who you hang around with. How much time are you spending with Jesus? He will be the one that will guide and direct you to the people that you need to spend time with. So as we close, we're going to close with communion today. Uh, We're going to invite you to a table. And the reason we're doing that is because Jesus did a ton of his ministry. Many of these things that we talked about today, Jesus was at a table with people. If you didn't receive communion when you came in, raise your hand real quick. The ushers will come down and get that to you. We have in our church what's called open communion. That means you don't have to be a member of this local church body. You don't have to be a member of the Church of the Nazarene. Um, we would ask that you begin to take that step to become a follower of Christ. And we think the table is the perfect place to make that happen. So I'm gonna ask you to to hold on to these. We're gonna take communion a little bit differently today. We're not gonna take it all at one time. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna spend some time talking 
about what God may want to do in and through your life. Earlier we sang, bring your challenges, bring your addictions, bring your burdens, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus wants to spend time with you. He came to love you. He came to forgive you of your sins. He came to point you the right direction. Are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to serve him? We're gonna sing a song, it's called, Oh, Come to the Altar. The Father's arms are open wide, his forgiveness is here. And some of you today may wanna come down and pray at the altar. There may be things in your life where you'd like to say, I, I need to give these things over to God. There may be places in your life where you're saying, Lord, you've been calling me to go share with someone and I haven't been doing it. Some of you may wish to say, Father, change me and make me more like you. Whatever it is that God is talking to you about, the altars are gonna be open. I'm gonna ask you if you would to stand. I'm gonna share with you what we're gonna do with these elements in a moment. What, we're, what we will do is uh, you'll come and pray if you'd like. You can sit down and pray where you are. You can kneel in your seat where you are. If you come down and come to this left side, there's a few of us that are pastors, we'd be happy to pray with you and some people from our prayer team, we'd be happy to pray with you. If you wanna pray by yourself, you don't want anybody with you, you just need to be you and the Lord, come to this side of the altar, my right, your left. Those of you that are watching online, just kneel right there at your table. Kneel there at the couch. Uh, you can make an altar anywhere that you are to ask God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me for the life I've lived. Thank you for loving me enough that you want to spend time with me, that you died for me. One of those beautiful things about the meal that Christ took with his disciples is he redefined what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God. He redefined that meal. He redefined what was going on. Uh, at the end of the meal, he takes off a, a towel or puts on a towel, sorry, and went around and washed their feet. The week before, he had sat with his disciples because they were arguing, who's gonna be the greatest? Who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom? James and John came, they're, actually their mom came, said, hey Jesus, you know your two cousins, James and John? They followed you. Even when your brothers and sisters didn't believe in you, they believed in you. So when you enter the kingdom, one of them on your right, one of them on your left, because you really wanna hang with your cousins, right? Jesus said, woman, you don't know what you're asking. The disciples got ticked off. They started arguing over who's the greatest, who's gonna be the best. Jesus looks at him and says, hey, you all try to get the best seats at the table. You try to do all these things. It's not what it's about. That's the way that people in the world live. It's not gonna be that way among you. Whoever wants to be great, lay your life down and be a servant. Love those that are around you. Love your enemies. Pray for them. Ironically, he's sitting at a table with someone who's gonna betray him and 11 others who are all gonna forsake him. And he eats the meal with them anyway. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, as we pray right now, we come to this table today realizing you know everything we've done. You know everything we're currently doing. You know what we're gonna do and all of the possibilities that are out there. Father, I pray that you'd be with my brother or sister that is here today that needs to hear you say, come to the altar, come to the table. I wanna sit with you, I wanna eat with you, I wanna talk with you. I may be harsh and point out some things that need to change. I may be 
kind and understanding of what's going on, but I know exactly what you need. Come and find forgiveness. Come and find help. Come and find hope. my privilege to pass on to you that which was passed on to me that on the night our Lord was betrayed he took a loaf of bread and after giving thanks he blessed it said this is my body which is for you do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me and then after the meal he took the cup and blessed it and said this is my blood of a new covenant which is shed for your sins and the sins of the world do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me here's one of the ways I know he loves you that he wants to eat with you as he said, I'm not going to drink of this cup again until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. He's not only inviting you to the table now, but he's saying, I want to be at the table with you for all eternity. I want you to invite others to the table. So as we sing, these altars are yours. If you'd like to come and pray, if you'd like to give your life to the Lord, if you'd like to ask him to forgive you, come and do that and then take communion as you wish. And in a moment, Pastor Dave will come up and close us out. Would you join us as we sing? Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Stay connected with us at thenaz.church.